the concept of an album is important because it gives us a standard to compare to what before, and then also gives us incentive. It gives artists incentive. It gives artists, especially in producers, to make timeless music, uh, evergreen standards, right? So that even when they're not here, that their art or their music still lives on. You said that they may not physically be around, but their music lives on. Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Trapital, Dan Runcie. This podcast is your place to gain insights from the executives in music, media, entertainment, and more who are taking hip-hop culture to the next level. Today's episode is with Tuma Basa, who is the director of Black Music and Culture at YouTube. Ever since I started the Trapital Podcast, people have been like, hey, you got to get Tuma on here. Do you know Tuma Basa? You have got to get him on here. So it was great to finally make this happen. I've been following his work for a while, and it's been great to see even before what he's did in streaming from BET to MTV Revolt, and then now more recently the streaming services, he's seen it all, especially now at a global perspective, given the role that he's had. So we talked a lot about what success looks like for him at YouTube. What are the benchmarks that he's measuring himself on? And we talked about the successful artists too. We talked all about NBA Youngboy. You can't talk to a YouTube exec and not talk about NBA Youngboy, especially on a podcast like this, and just what he's doing uniquely. And then we also talk a lot about Africa because that's been a big focus for Tuma. He's originally from Rwanda and just being able to see what his vision is and the potential there and how even though there's been a lot of growth the past decade, there's just so much more that it can go and that I think we will see continuing moving forward. But we also just talked about some specific things about streaming, Web3, and a whole lot more. This was a great conversation. He's a really brilliant guy and I hope you enjoy it. Here's my chat with Tumabasa. All right, we got the streaming titan himself, the expert Tumabasa. Welcome hey. to the podcast, man. No, thank you for having me. Trapital is how I keep up. What's going on with the economics of hip hop? Love to hear yeah. it, man. Definitely. Yeah. For you, you're leading the front on this. You're you're for YouTube. I mean, I feel like so much has changed in the time you've been there, specifically with black music and hip hop. How have things evolved on your end since you've been there? Um, it's I think it's just the engagement thing where now we have the people and we have the presence, we have the intention, we have the you know what I mean to kind of be on the front lines with the hip hop world and with and all the other things that are coming up like the rise of Afro beats and and you know just now we're about to do something with Jamaica you know and, and how influential uh, that tiny island is you know Wait, talk uh, to me about what you got with Jamaica I'm Jamaican so this is Jamaican to me. I oh, am okay. okay so basically I mean it's it's more of an awareness internal awareness is uh, we have uh, Shaggy and Spice and our our head of public health who's also Jamaican along with Lior. Just going through evaluating like the Jamaica's cultural capital, right? So Jamaica is the influence is crazy, you know what I mean? Between the the music and the unintended byproducts of the culture, like the birth of hip hop or the birth of reggaeton, or you know, is the trend setting with the legalization of marijuana and you know those topics and and dreadlock turning to a style. So what happens is. So it doesn't have the human capital of, let's say, China is a billion people or Nigeria is 200 million people or Ethiopia is 100 million people, right? 
It's like 2.8 million people. But or and it doesn't have the economic capital, right? In terms of like spending power of like, let's say even, an, uh, I don't even know what the population of Norway is, but there's cultural capital, you know, is unmatched in terms of per capita. Jamaica has unmatched cultural capital per capita, right? In terms of hits, the outputs, the stars, you know what I mean? Even in music. So, so for me, Jamaica is just a special place. I grew up listening to uh, Jamaican music, Jimmy Cliff and Bob Marley, and then later Freddie McGregor and stuff like that. So it's always been a part of like my personal life and even professionally, like being present when, like, oh, you know, I can talk about that forever, by the way. Oh, uh, man. But that's basically, it's more, more internal, but it's, you know what I mean? It's just to evaluate and like, hey, like, you know? That's yeah. good to hear because one of the things I always thought a lot about Late 90s, early 2000s, dance hall is becoming more and more a part of the mainstream music. Sean Paul, Bouchou, everyone is blowing up at this moment. But if you look back, I still feel like it was a little early in terms of the industry being ready to truly build infrastructure. Because I feel like by the late 2000s, so much of that reggae fusion moment that you'd had wasn't hit in the same way. And I feel like the same way that we're seeing international expansion in other areas now, and even what you're talking about, what you have going on in Jamaica, it's like, ah, uh, if that was, you know, the way it was 20 years ago. What it I was there 20 years ago in terms of like in the mix, I was, I was working at MTV when, the, when all that happened. And first of all, it was historic. Right with the Sean Paul would give me the light blew up, but then you had Wayne Wonder, uh, and you had uh, T.O.K. and Elephant Man, who was one of the best performers I've ever seen in my life up to today. Right, it was a wave, and VP had to deal with Atlantic. Uh, other people were going trying to sign. You know, it was it was just incredible time. It's incredible time. But one of the other things that I saw was I saw a lot of disconnects as well in terms of of of, of expectations. Uh, whether it be paid shows versus promo, you know what I mean? So what happens is I believe that with everything, there's always a wave and then a crash and then, then it comes back, you know? Like after that chasm, right? Things come back. And we've seen that before. We saw that with dot-coms. We've, we saw it with reggaeton. Reggaeton, if you remember the early days of reggaeton, there were all these uh, what they called urban stations, Hispanic urban stations, like reggaeton with Daddy Yankee, when Gasolina and Rompe, Rompe, and all those blew up. It was, and then a lot of those disappeared. They burned out, didn't have enough content to think, but it came back so strong. It was like, when it came back, it came back so strong because it had those, the learning costs were paid. You know what I mean? Like people learn, okay, this is how it works here. This is how it works there. This is how it works there. And Jamaica is no different, by the way. Jamaica is absolutely no different because music is a part of the culture there. And as now is the internet and the economics, you know what I mean, have changed, et cetera. No, no different. I love Jamaica. It's a special place in my heart. If I could, yeah, you know. Yeah. The way you talk about that reminds me of something I see you say also about African artists and specifically Afrobeats. I think you yeah. were asked about Wizkid and why maybe he hasn't blown up in the same way that a um, Bad Bunny might have blown up, you know, relative in that respect. And I remember your response to something along the lines of, well, you know, like these things happen in waves and there is a time cycle or there's a life cycle that you normally see and that moment's going to come. Yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, time. Yeah. By the way, I didn't even... To be honest with you, I didn't even know the African of uh, this wave right now 
that, that's happening right now, the current wave, what's going to happen in my lifetime? I spent my teenage years in Africa, you know? So I lived in American elementary school. We moved in when I was in junior high, we moved back, right? And so I knew the, the, the music was always there and the popularity was always there on the continent. And, and it was the folk traditional music. And then there was the stuff that young people listen to and you could hear in the clubs or on the radio. You know, they called it called, a show called Venge Venge, which was like the equivalent of Ralph McDaniel's video music box or, you know what I mean, etc. And then the club was called the Dindindi. You know what I mean? So what happens is that music was always there and it was always popping and it was always bottomless in terms of supply, right? And, and even right now, by the way, America is just getting like a, a, a tip of what actually exists, you know what I mean? Like in terms of what's actually exporting to American soil. To see this actually connect and to see people who've never stepped a foot in Africa or or maybe even looked down on Africa, thought it was like the jungle or, you know what I mean? Or, or had bad perceptions or whatever given to them by the media or by their schools, uh, actually enjoy African music. I love it. I, and then happening in my lifetime while I'm still active in the music business, psh, you know? I it's love impressive, it. man. It's oh. impressive. I mean, yeah. the fact that, yeah, you didn't expect to see this in your lifetime and now you're seeing it, but now you're having an active role in that with the work you're doing now at YouTube and how much of a push it's been for those artists. Well, that was part of the reason that YouTube was attractive to me because I knew what was going on, right? And I knew YouTube's part in that, whether it be by default because of the way that it was set up, right? Uh, but it's very, very popular over there. YouTube is such a strong platform and the fact that you can monetize on YouTube is, is makes a huge difference. You know, is, is it's nice to be visible and seen it's and heard, etc. but it's even nicer to be visible and seen and paid. Right. So that was a big uh, part of the attraction of even working at YouTube is because now you're actually participating, not just in the exhibition of African culture, but you're also participating in the economics. Like this is like straight up business. Like you know, and I, and I love it. And 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 then also it's connecting. You're connecting African Americans and Afro Caribbeans and British Black people who are really the drivers of all this. By the way, and so this London is the one that the in terms of the economics. I'm not talking about the the consumption, the the, the musical, the, the 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 listening. The London. That's that British pound. That's hard currency. You know. That's, Definitely. you know, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a different, that's something else, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like what is strong and why YouTube is so powerful on that space. We've just seen it across the board, international, the exposure it's able to give artists and how quickly it's able to reach with much less friction than I think a lot of the other streaming services that works very well for you all. And that obviously now you're seeing the investment from the major record label side going into these regions because of what streaming has been able to do by breaking those barriers and for just giving more of that exposure. I think it's, I've seen you talk about it in this way, it's a lot of these things were already popular for so long. Streaming just democratized a lot of it. And by connecting listener to artist you're able to see and unlock a lot more of that opportunity. And, and you know, being a connector is uh, something that's underrated. People don't understand the value of that. It, it, it was a platform, right? But even as people, as people, when you, there's like a filter process, is, and you can trust. Actually, the whole playlist thing is that. 
Playlists are, are trusted filters. There's so much music out there, et cetera, et cetera. In order to keep up, that's your reference in, in terms of uh, what you're looking for and you're trusting that filter. So YouTube itself as a platform, right? As international as it is, it helps uh, not just hold it, you know what I mean? Not, not just hold the music, but the engagement. You can see the interviews. Somebody's watching this on YouTube right now. Somebody's watching this on YouTube right now. The exchange of information that's happening in real time, the exchange of boogie, the exchange of money, because when you watch it and they run ads, pow, you watch it on your premium, a little piece of that nine, whatever, whatever. I'm not going to say the price. because <laughs> yeah, You know, it's going to uh, the creator. So, you know, that's fun. That's, that's history, you know? No, that's what's up. So for you in this role, what does success look like? What are the benchmarks that you're measuring and what are the main mm. goals you have? That's a, that's a very good question, actually. That, that's actually the beginning of the year. I put that in my little notebook at the, the top. Yo, 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 right here. This, this right here. I don't want someone to take a screen grab. <laughs> Proprietary uh, information, but I, I'll give the, the summary. You said measuring success is the, the culture, is that YouTube is synonymous with culture. Right, you don't look at it as two things. It's like the destination that what we just talked about with monetization, with education, and, and so that people understand it, benefit from it, even inadvertently. Thing is moments that the moments live they live on YouTube, the, the moments that exist on even on other platforms that they originate on YouTube. In terms of like with black culture, is that. Our dopeness is unanimously understood. I don't even know if I'm using the word unanimously. It's like a no-brainer. It's obvious. You know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? It's obvious. It's like when you watch a, a marathon and you see Kenyans winning, right? And you're like, and you're not shocked. You're not like, oh wow, Kenyan. You know, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's Kenyan. Yeah, that's how. If, if that's how I feel, success. It hasn't always been obvious. It was always obvious to us, but it wasn't always obvious to the the rest of the world. Like how dope. Um, are the the many cultures that them that make up what we're calling black culture for simplification? You know what I mean? Uh, how dope they are that, that that we don't that you don't have to be part of it to understand that, or you know what I mean? And and yeah, so 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 that's a, that's the quality part. You know, it's, it's all, most of it's quality. You know, but that's what success looks like to me. If all those things are easy, you know, and YouTube is the easy destination for you know to achieve those things, whether it be from a consumer perspective, from an industry perspective, from uh, a artist perspective, from ad spender perspective, you know what I mean? The subscriber, you know, is that they're pleased that they're like, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think for you, you're most likely working with creators, with artists that have their stuff on a number of platforms. And there's likely many of them you've gotten to know personally, and they may feel like, okay, I'm already stretched thin. I am trying to spread myself. TikTok is blowing up or all these other things are blowing up. Do you have a pitch to them about, okay, this is why you should spend more time in YouTube, or this is why you should have a bit more focus or how you should think about YouTube maybe relative to some of the other places that you may put your stuff out on? So I don't have a pitch, right? I work with a lot of people who work like with a lot of different creators and stuff like that. And 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 even before I got to YouTube, YouTube was made already. It was like already, you know what I mean? Like its impact was already proven, right? Even before I got to YouTube. So at the stage, we were talking about brand maturity like before we started on off camera and stuff. At the stage I entered YouTube, people already understood that. So the conversations are more informational, right? 
where they're asking very specific questions because almost everyone uses YouTube, like at least in our world, right? Uses YouTube and, and or the artists have accounts or labels or managers or et cetera, et cetera. So usually the questions are really, really, or the conversations are topical. It's about a new feature. So it's about, they're, they're pitching us sometimes. Like, like we get pitched, you know, we're, we're listening to albums and, this and they're talking about possible marketing or co-marketing. They're talking about I, I don't know. There's so many things. I don't know. That's, that's hard. That's, but no, I don't find myself having to pitch. YouTube is like the the OG of platforms. Of you know, and and it's also staple. You know, it's like it, there's a lot of these quote unquote apps or websites that, that don't last. Don't have the you know what I mean longevity that YouTube has already had. So the nature of the conversations are, they're not like pitchy. We're not like pitching them like, you know? Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. I mean, it's the second largest search engine and it got that title for a reason, the impact and everything. By the way, I use YouTube a lot. I'm not saying that just because I work there. So when I use YouTube a lot, I feel like I won. I learn also about the platform and I'm getting paid to, you know, What, what did Biggie say? I'm not only the no 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 it doesn't it doesn't apply here. Wait, what was the quote though? No, I was about to have an Ari Melber moment. You know what I mean? Like you know, Ari <laughs> Melber always uh, quotes uh, songs, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I had a, a you know, I'm not only the client, I'm the player president. Like you know yep, what I mean? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So he was like, I'm not only the client. Like yeah, yeah. So I, but it doesn't apply. I'm not. I'm not that. You know what I mean? It, it, no, I mean. You- you almost pulled it off, though. You almost got yeah, that one in there, though. It was on, it was on the top of mind, but then when I, you know, when your filter evaluates, oh no, this this this, this is a different parallel. Right, okay. right, right. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. On that note, I will give Ari Melber credit on that because I think he's able to the way he weaves it. Sometimes, like I'm just like, damn, that was like like you had that ready, like. Oh yeah, I, I saw him do a J Cole one uh, yesterday, and it wasn't literal. I was like, this is like okay, now he's taking it to like algebra. Where it's not like literally on, he was talking about the Supreme Court justice nominations or something. And I was like, wow, okay. He came to our Hip Hop History Month event. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, we did a Hip Hop History Month for November. And he, and he came through, like, he, we have photo ops with him and Slick Rick or DJ Premier. Like, you know, he was there and everything. That's what's up. That's good to hear. With YouTube, it's hard to talk about YouTube, especially with black music, without talking about one of the biggest stars on it, NBA Youngboy. And I know he's been one of the poster artists that have shown what is possible. And from your perspective, Mm -hmm. what do you think that he's doing that others aren't necessarily doing, which has given him the amount of success that he's had? Consistency. Youngboy, what he does... At least from my observation, I'm just speaking from just from my observation, my point of view, is he's regular about new content, like very regular. And and it's always trends, it's always trends. Sometimes if I'm on the treadmill, I'll go put on a playlist or the next day I'll put on a, the trending just to see what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. And it'll be like, young boy, heart and soul, young boy, alligator walk, young boy, emo rock star. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's prolific, right? And so what happens is his relationship with his fans, he's saying, and by the way, he's doing all this with the limitations of the law that, you know what I mean, that constrain his ability to move, right? So, which impresses me because I say, oh, this is work ethic. You see what I'm saying? And what happens is, I, the, my, the previous job, I playlisted No Smoke, No Smoke, because DJ Chill, actually Untouchable even, because um, 
Jeff Vaughn and Mike Carrot and them, he was signed to them at the time and APG. And then, but no smoke. I remember uh, DJ Chose produced that and Chose, we had playlisted some stuff with Chose. So, and Chose even flew in from Houston, like literally, right? Play his music and all that stuff. So, the other thing that I've noticed, at least when I see the social media talk, people forget how long Young Boy has been grinding. Like, this, this did not happen overnight. Like, he's been consistently building, you know? I talked to his manager, Alex. Alex will let you know, like, yo, this guy this, and then he'll send this, and like, oh, did you see this, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, they're constantly, like, uh, production mode. You know what I mean? It's like it's like production mode. And, and then when you watch the videos, you get a glimpse into his life. And my niece, like, she's like, thinks, like, Young boy, like don't say nothing. Don't say nothing, like young boy, like you know what I mean. So what happens is this. So he's also like built this connection with his fans, where they're they're rooting for him. You you see it in social media comments with the young boy better, or you know what I mean, or why be better, etc., etc., etc. And you're like, wow, this is fandom, right? This is fandom. It's almost K-pop level fandom. You know, you know what I'm saying? In terms of like the aggression, we see it with Nicki Minaj and her fans. Barbies, they call Barbies. Oh, Wizkid FC. I don't know. Are you familiar with Wizkid FC? No. Oh my gosh. All right, I got some more <laughs> after this. On, oh my gosh, those are his fans, and they go hard, like hard. So, young boy, constantly keeping the algorithm warm. You know what I'm saying? Like just like the same way people rap on beats and they're floating on, the, you know, on the thing, etc., etc., etc. So even the cadence. The uploads in the in, in his library, and Alex told me some stuff that I never even heard of for another artist. I'm not even gonna say it because I don't want somebody to try this because uh, stuff that his fans do on YouTube. There's actually behavior on YouTube that I never heard of for another artist ever, ever, like ever, and everything. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not gonna repeat it because I want somebody to try it. You know what I mean? But yeah. yeah. It's impressive. I've always compared his strategy to, not surprisingly, much more of a YouTuber than a hip hop artist in some ways. Like well, the way that his well, consistency, it like reminds me of how Mr. Beast or someone like that is like, okay, this is what I'm going to give you. These are what the fans in the audience want, and he's prolific in a way from that perspective. So I want to challenge you on that part. The artists do that, right? But not to undercount how he understands his audience as well. Do you see what I'm saying? There are mm-hmm. there are artists who operate in that way and make and are YouTube first in terms of the way they platform. Something that something I oh you asked me what we say to labels. Something I say to labels is 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 I like um, talking about. Uh, I won't even name the name of the artist, but but what that person does is they have different incarnations of of their song. Right? They'll drop an art track. And then they'll do a lyric video. Then they'll do a visualizer. Then they'll do a trailer for their premium music video. Then they'll drop the premium music video. Then they'll drop the behind the scenes. And then they'll drop maybe fan created because now the song has gained popularity. So there's like this management of the shelf life of a song. You see what I'm saying? It's allowing it to kind of build and germinate, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of artists that do stuff. So I, I just don't want to take away uh, the young boy's credit. Like that he's actually making music that really connects and his vulnerabilities in some of the songs or his aggression in some of the songs really connects with his audience, actually connects with a generation. It's like a specific generation. And with time, we'll look back and we'll be impressed. We're living in it right now. You know what I mean? And, and also 
we may be in a generation that is kind of like has a different canon of music that we're, you know? Yeah. That's my rotation, you know? No, I think that's a fair point. And I I didn't mean necessarily to like discredit what he's doing by Yeah, no, no, I know he didn't, but I just had yeah. to clear it up. I was yeah, like, for yeah. sure. For sure. <laughs> I just had to clear it up though, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I think that the piece of that that stuck out to me is like how like, and I think a lot of artists do this, but like how is like music videos, it's like yeah. the the formula that he's figured out, like this is what the audience wants. He keeps it low budget. He's able to like, but make it still be engaging and creative in that type of way. It pulls in so many elements of things I've seen. It kind of reminds me like, okay, like how someone in entertainment, for instance, like um, I was actually, I was just talking to Kev on stage about this. I was like, hey, this is the budget, but we know how to make this work and maximize it beyond what it needs to. And I mean, you even see Tyler Perry doing some stuff like that as well with how he manages his budget. It's really, I think, thoughtful. And yeah, that's why I... It like what peaked me to him. I remember I was researching him for an article I'd done and I looked up how many videos. I was like, okay, how many videos has he done? It was like 350 plus just yeah, in like a yeah. short number of years. Like that takes dedication. And also, you know, his label, Atlantic Records, right? Atlantic Recording Corporation, right? They have a lot of successes on YouTube, like Craig, Julie, Kaiser, Von Ray, Saslo, Lou Robinson, all of them. I'll name the whole staff, Angelique. But what happens is, they have a lot of successes, whether it be Cardi B, Kodak Black, um, who, who else is on? Bruno Mars. They really take YouTube seriously. And Burna Boy, my gosh, how am I going to not say? Oh, CK, yeah. the Love Nwantiti was so huge, yep. right? But what happens is they know when to step in, when to leave it alone, when to, you know what I mean? They have that, they have that cadence as well, like with, with their artists, with the songs. They know when to go hard, impact, et cetera, et cetera. So... And then that's just from my own uh, relationships and uh, discussions. That's what's up. I think that's one of the cool things that we see about just streaming in general, how artists have taken that opportunity to be like, hey, no, this is a different era, and I'm not going to try to do things the way that we would have done in the streaming era. And obviously, we see hip-hop artists, Black artists are more likely to push on that front. And mm -hmm. one of the things that always stuck out to me about this era, and I know you've talked about it too, is... You can release your album, and then just given the fact that it is digital, you can change it. You can adapt it over time. We saw Kanye do this when Life of Pablo came out, and even oh, wow. more recently, we, we kind of saw it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, we we, yeah. we kind of saw it with uh, CLB and, and, and Donda. What is your thought on that? Because I think that that is something that a lot of people thought was going to take off at that point, but it still only happened every once in a while. Yeah, so with playlisting or curation, is one of the benefits or advantages is you're able to tweak something. If something's not working or you thought of something after, so they're not static. You know what I'm saying? Radios like this every week when they're doing their ads and their drops, MTV, BET, you know what I mean? When we had our heavy rotation, medium rotation, light rotation, mixtape, mix show, whatever, right? You can go in there, et cetera, et cetera. So the technology allows you to tweak now, you know what I mean? The technology actually even allows you to go do a, a remastered or, or redo, I think, Brittany Taylor Swift. Oh, uh, Taylor, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? She redid a whole... So that ability to make something non-static, I don't know if the what's Dynamic. Yeah. You know what I mean? So these bodies of work are now dynamic because if, if there's no taboo to go in there and add a few records and call it a deluxe 
You know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? Remixes would never even exist in this physical era, in the physical era. You know what I mean? It was like, oh yeah, that was on the Jason's Lyric soundtrack. That wasn't on the album. We have that luxury now because of technology. Yeah, We have to give technology credit where it's due. Like, you know, these tech guys are smart. Yeah. It's funny because we both have heard plenty of criticisms about the streaming era. And a lot of them do have their merit. That's why they have traction. But people often ignore where things have gotten better right? And I think they often ignore challenges that may have existed in past eras. Because I think one of the things I often hear is like, okay, well, you have all these albums that are just bloated with 20 plus track albums, or just to try to drive up the streams. And my response normally is like, that, yes, that's true. That is a strategy. But are you forgetting the CD era and how people would stuff these double, double albums CDs. when there really wasn't always worth having a double album? Or, yeah. you know, all of the filler that was just trying to sell you a 20 track album when a lot of those songs weren't always worthwhile? Like, there was a lot of fat to trim in the CD era, too. Or they would add a bullshit DVD to make you feel like, you know what I mean? You spent the money, yep. you know what I mean? Et cetera, et cetera. Well, at the same time, you're 100% right. At the same time, we have to be conscious. Things are going to change. They always change, right? So we also have to be conscious that we don't lose certain kind of cultural aspects, like, right? Meaning, like, the, that tight album, that body of work, that solid, like, no skips, track one to track nine, or or if it was an album that had the A side and the B side, you know what I mean? Like, you know what? The A-side felt different from these. Do you remember Boys to Men back in the day? Adagio and Allegro. Yep. You know, it, it's like you turn the cassette and this is the fast songs and these were the slow songs, etc. So the thing is this. So also, we don't want to get swallowed by technology so that when we move it to the next things, certain uh, 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 rights, or cultural rights, R-I-T-E-S, um, get lost or, or, you know what I mean, evaporate, you know, or fall between the cracks, et cetera, et cetera. So when it comes to those criticisms, I also listen where we come in as humans uh, pushing for that balance, you know, is continuing to tell that story. Why is it? I just saw the most interesting video, right? It was talking about legacy design. Okay. No, no, no. It's going to take me too long to remember it. <laughs> you brought up something that I, I know I've thought a lot about, the whole aspect of classics, because that's something that people feel is not necessarily harder to pull off, but they feel like there's less incentive to release that type of revered work the same way that we can talk about the hip hop albums that are either you know the certified classics or the debatable classics too. But a lot of people feel like there hasn't been as many recent albums to be in that discussion. I mean, I would have some pushback on that, but I know that that notion and thought is out there. I love watching people who are passionate about sports talk about sports. And this is why I love that, is they'll go back and they'll make references to way before they were born, right? Whether it be talking about Babe Ruth or, you know what I mean, or Willie Mays or whatever. So what happens is, and that's just baseball, that, that tradition, that, that continuity, you see what I'm saying? That we have some sorts of standards where we can compare things of the past. You see what I'm saying? So that's why for me, I'm big on generation transfer. My dad is the reason why I even work. He loved music so much. He played so much of it. And then somehow it rubbed off onto me. You see what I'm saying? And then I want to do the same to other generations, etc. It's like, okay, this is what was really good. Like, don't, don't let this disappear, etc. Here, you know? So th that's why those things to me are just important just to 
Like even the the concept of an album is important because it gives us a standard to compare to what before, and then also gives us incentive. It gives artists incentive. It gives artists, especially in producers, to make timeless music, uh, evergreen standards, right? So that even when they're not here, that their art or their music still lives on. You said that they may not physically be around, but their music lives on. So, so if we don't have those standards to kind of push people to have quality, we might have a forgotten era. This might be considered the, the dark era of music, you know, or like the steroids era of baseball, or you know what I mean, where it's like an asterisk. Yeah, but at that time they weren't really making good music. Or that was the Great Depression of music. In terms of how we're remembered or how our musical contributions are remembered. So, yeah. So, that's why I, I like to kind of, it's actually good to keep people on their toes like that, you know? Yeah. The steroid era of baseball is an interesting comparison with this because I've always been one that looked at that era as, hey, that was the landscape. It's unfortunate that a lot of that happened, but I'm not here for, you know, erasure of, you know, all the things that did happen. And I would hope that people look at this current era that we're in now, not, you know, yeah, no, no, we're not, we're not there yet. No, we're not there. But I'm just saying it it can happen. You know, one of the professor, when I was in class, used to say, the reason we learn history because no empire is immortal, you know, Mm -hmm. is that you learn history to figure out how to prolong mortality you know what i'm saying in terms of what you're working on or staying alive it's basically you know what i mean so uh we're not there like we're not there but but this doesn't mean we can't be there it'd be arrogance to think that oh that'll never happen to us it's, you know what i mean etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera, you know so what do we do well not necessarily like we collectively but i guess collectively yeah as an industry like what do we do to make sure that doesn't happen is we push for balance so we reward you know this is not chasing numbers and being an ambulance chaser and you know is integrity or in terms of like being real with ourselves like that was good or that was trash but it's popular it is what it is it gets treated like trash that's popular you know what i mean and, and i'm not dissing anything but it's this is the reality is when you can still have that honest evaluation you know what I mean? Qual- qualitative, not quantitative. We're not talking about numbers. You have that say, hey, wow. Like Otherwise, we may get pushed to that. If, if we don't do it, we might get pushed to that. Like uh, We might get forced to a uh, landscape where it eliminates the weakest, you know? Yeah. The numbers thing is real. And I know that as someone that writes and covers a lot of this space, I do share and, you know, obviously analyze the space so there's context. But I do think back to, especially when you think back to like the rap albums that stick out the most, the example I often think about is, okay, look at the blueprint, right? Obviously, you know, there were many things that happened that week that may have, yeah, that day. There are many things that happened that day, 9-11, that hurt its sales, but I've never heard anyone at that time be like, oh, well, Ja Rule's Pain is Love sold just as much or around the same as Blueprints. So, you know, was Jay-Z really all that? Like, you just never heard anyone say that because that's just not how people talk or think about it. But it's interesting because I feel like so much of the narrative leading up to, like, let's say, like, CLB and Donda was so much around, like, numbers, this, this, this. And, yeah. That goes back to, like, the Kanye versus 50. Remember first True. week sales? Uh, they were on 106 in Park looking at each other and, you know? Or, yeah, TRL too. I think no. Yeah, I think they were on both. Of, yeah, the, the 106 oh, in Park yeah, was yeah, what yeah. they were it both at. Though. Show off, like the, the showdown yeah. and, and then they cetera. had the Rolling Stone cover. Yeah, and I think I mean I think it was for fun, but but it became part of the culture where everybody was like, 
it's almost like the movies. Movies did it first with box office, you know what I mean? Weekend right. box office, etc. Actually, in sports, it happens a lot in sports with the AP college football polls or, you know what I mean? Right. Cetera, but yeah, with box office, too, it's an interesting thing because I feel like I, like one of the biggest movies of all time, Avatar, technically, I've never had a conversation about that movie since that movie came out. And that movie, oh, I think, man. is one of the top five or it was the best-selling movie ever when it came out, you know? So so for me, Laz Alonzo was in that movie, right? And I used to work with Laz at BET. Oh, dope. Right? This is like the early 2000s. And I remember when he left to LA to go become an actor, right? I remember that. He had been in uh, Disappearing Acts. Terry McMillan did a movie that was like an HBO movie. It was Terry McMillan, the author. And he was like the moving guy. And then we were like, wow, Laz is in a movie, right? And then he literally quit his job and moved to LA to become an actor, and he did it. So when he did that, I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's, this is my avatar. I don't even remember what avatar was about because he was, you couldn't even see him. He was like one of the, like, and then I remember seeing him at a party, and I was like, oh man, I didn't even want to go and say hi because like, he won't remember me. Like, it's from the days of, like, when he was, like, like grinding and stuff, et cetera, et cetera. For me, avatar. Sorry to go off topic, but it was just it was just inspiring because I was like, wow, somebody who I worked with in my younger days, and he went out there and he said, I remember him saying, I remember having a conversation with him, like, oh, yeah, man, I'm going to LA, I'm gonna go do this acting thing, like, whoa, whoa what? I was like, oh, and then, and he did it, and that's yeah, powerful so I, too. I mean, yeah. a movie like that, so many people saw. You got James Cameron behind you. I mean. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, that was, that was to the point. I don't even remember what exactly the movie was, but I, I saw it in the theaters. But for those personal reasons, was like, wow, like, like he's, he's one of us, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know? No, that makes sense. That's what's up. Well, no, man, it's it's exciting. It's an exciting time, I think, for the industry, especially to reflect on what's happening now and where things are going and how we'll look back on this moment. And yeah. for you, I know so much of your role right now is forward looking. So. What are the things that excite you most that are on the horizon? What are you thinking about the trends of where music's heading and how people are thinking about emerging technology in music in this era? Like which emerging technology? Like Web3 and NFTs and tokens. I'm excited. I love what's happening with NFTs and DAOs and and those ecosystems and the wallets and etc. and crypto and Ethereum. And then, I, I mean, I'm sure you saw Susan's statement. Susan, our CEO, she made a statement and she, and she, she called it, I really liked the words. Her words were like, it's a source of inspiration. You know what I mean? And I liked that. I was like, hey, that's... So for me, I have my friend, Mikhail Moore, right? Mikhail Moore, he like works with like Jadena and Janelle Monet and, you know, etc. etc. So he, 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 he schooled me a lot. Like, give me like, you know what I mean? Like crash course over the phone, this is this a little while back, and then ever since that day, I really like started doing a lot of research and participating. And then YouTube, I know for a fact, like I me, mean, I can't talk about it, but uh, you know, I know for a fact that there's like extensive discussion and plotting and planning, and you know, so I'm excited to be part of an organization that lets at least like embracing, like not fighting. You see what I'm saying? Because I've been in organizations, and I'm not going to name those organizations, right? But who fought innovation? Because in order to protect the protect their pockets, like the current pockets, like you know what I mean. So th- th- I don't like that spirit. That's not a cool spirit. So what's your wallet looking like? You got any board apes in there, or uh, <laughs> uh, 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 no, no, no? I'm not rich, like you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but there is a, a, a 
I can't. I can't say it's just too early to say. I can't say it. this conversation will be con uh, continued because the thing that's in process now, I can't talk about it in order because of you know what I mean. It's not ready to be spoken publicly. It's not even my place to be the one. But 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 but, but this whole Web three thing excites me for Africa and for Black people. You know why? Think about this. Talk about streaming and Web two. Look what it did for hip hop. Look what it did for the continent. Like, you know you see what I'm saying? Because we talk about the music because that's what we're in. But there's so much other stuff that uh, through social media, et cetera, got popularized, that got exposure. Think tourism and, and how people start looking at us as humans or as places. It's not like what mainstream media pushes, et cetera. So that democratization, that level playing field, if Web 2.0 did that, just imagine what Web3 is going to do. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what's going to really be a wrap, you know? Yeah. Because to the whole focus point of this conversation, the evolution of technology brings fans and listeners together. And whenever that happens, we see these areas that the gatekeepers held back start to unlock all of the power and value that they have. So like you said, and, and, that's and, what and, and I'm here. from the gatekeeper era. You know what I mean? Some gatekeepers were hate keepers. They were trying to block and sabotage or obstruct or leave out, not be inclusive and or condescending. I saw it with my own eyes. I, like, you know, is it like, so the thing is this. So the, the more and more stripping of that, et cetera, then it's the, the more meritocracy, you know? Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Well, hey, we, we covered everything in this conversation. Oh, I mean, oh, okay, okay. This was dope. I mean, we, I, I mean, you definitely sparked me up with a few things. And I think we got to link a few things in the show notes too, just so everyone can, you know, catch up for sure. Make sure. I think you mentioned a few things we'll reference, but before we let you go, is there anything else that you want to plug or you want to let the Trapital audience know about? Oh man. Yeah. Uh, Okay, do some shout outs. For sure. <laughs> shout out to Paul Pennington. Shout out to Brittany Lewis and Ada Hopkins and Adam McFarlane and Arif and Chelsea, the, the BCB. Shout out to Leo Cohen. Uh, shout out to Vivian Lewis. Shout out to Stephen Bryan. Oh, let's plug the Black Voices Fund. Is Future Insiders is continuing? You know what Future Insiders is? No. It's like a program. Oh, Wallow. Wallow. We're going to be working directly with Wallow. He's going to be doing something very similar to Future Insiders, modeled after Future Insiders. It's like it's like engagement. It's like with young people, and, and you're giving them game and teaching them about how to navigate not just YouTube, but the industry, et cetera. We're reaching the streets directly with no buffer, no in-between, and, and you learn about monetization or algorithms or AdSense, whatever. You know what I mean? Like We're doing these programs where it's not just – engagement it's not social only it's a knowledge exchange and we're demystifying youtube and simplifying it in the language of like you know uh not in corporate tech speak you know what i mean it's you know in like plain lay the layman's language like you know etc so 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 some of that work black voice fun damn what else can i plug i got this too much stuff to put this blood voice 
I'll tell you right now. Give me a second. While you're pulling that up, no, Wallow makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think a million dollars worth of game is great. And even the content and the way that he communicates with his audience on socials, he'll be great for that. Yeah. Oh, I'm a big fan of of million dollars worth of game. Wallow and Gilly, the big fan of that. But what happened uh, is Wallow came and spoke to us. We have an internal series called Race to Equality. It's internal. He spoke to us and he just blew the company away. Like literally, everyone was just like, wow. You know, from his perspective to some of his insights. And so that that's how that happened, actually. You know, it was very organic, very, very organic. And he has such a unique history and his approach is so impressive. Like, so he's, he's part of the movement, you know. That's what's up. Good stuff, man. Hey, Tuma, this is great, man. Thanks again for coming out. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much. Trapital. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend. Copy the link, text it to a friend, post it in your group chat, post it in your Slack groups, wherever you and your people talk, spread the word. That's how Trapalo continues to grow and continues to reach the right people. And while you're at it, if you use Apple Podcasts, go ahead, rate the podcast, give it a high rating, and leave a review. Tell people why you like the podcast. That helps more people discover the show. Thank you in advance. Talk to you next week.